Alrighty, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Oh, yes. <laughs> Guys. But we're not alone. No. We have somebody new in the podcast studio. Uh-huh. Yay. Do you going to say it? I, I thought you'd introduce <laughs> I know. You kept looking at me with uh, with expectant eyes. We have Sarah McLean, guys. Hi. Hi. Yay. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited to be here. I'm yeah. such a big fan. Aww. We're a big fan of Aww. yours. That's yes. so nice. But really, I think this is really a fun podcast. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. Well, it just got funner. I mean, exponentially so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and we're big fans of your podcast, Thank Faded you. Mates. Uh-huh. I love what you're doing with the second season. Thank you. Because the first season was all following IED. Cressley Cole's Immortals After Dark. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you had to be willing to take a wild ride through Monster Mash with us for 22 episodes. But you don't have to do that anymore. No. Now you guys no, are you just should. handpicking. Yeah. Why don't you let us know what you're doing for this second so the second season is uh, ten, it's titled "The Books That Blooded Us," which is a nod to those those early vampire books of Cressley's. But um, basically, Jen, my co-host, and I have been reading romances since we were ten or eleven, and so we're going back to the beginning. And every other week, we do a deep dive read, similar to what you guys do, um, where we talk about a book that made us a romance reader. Or even better, some weeks, the books that taught us what romance could do mm-hmm. um, at its very best. So, uh, for example, we recently read Sierra Simone's Priest, which I did not read at 11. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've heard, right. heard about Priest. Because, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Aaron, you mentioned Priest to me. Mm-hmm. And we've debated whether or not to do it on this show. It's a lot, you guys. And I, I feel like it's I, a lot, right? It's magnificent, but it's a lot. I, I don't know. I it's like a 400 level. Okay. Okay. Am I mean, I, I feel like you're ready, though. Am I, though? I'm still a little virgin. <laughs> I feel like it's definitely... It's a 400 level romance. Like some mm-hmm. some books are just like they don't work for newbies. Newbies. Yeah. For yeah. freshman class. Yes. Yes. <laughs> romance readers. I mean, you've read <laughs> over 50 now. I feel like you could almost be there. Uh, I mean, how do you feel about oh, well, I, anal sex in a Catholic church? Well, personally. Let's just get right in. <laughs> well, it is Sunday. So before I got here, uh, no, um, I do. Um, I'd, I'd be fine with it. I mean, I think I'd be okay with it. Uh, the thing about it is, is it, would it be too heavy for this show? You know, because I think we try to, I don't know, for me, I try to stay away from like really heavy subject matter mm-hmm. with my romance just because I want it to be escapism. But I think doing a book like that, especially like at the level I am now, would be interesting mm-hmm. because it would be something totally different. I mean, I'm open. That's what this podcast has made me so open to anything. Yeah. Uh, I would totally do it. But it wouldn't be the episode that we have Pat read his first romance on. I would not recommend it. We're yeah. still waiting. <laughs> we're still waiting. We, Someday. Uh, no, we, I get think there? we actually have yeah. one, remember? Oh, but we're not yeah. going to reveal it yet. Oh. Okay. Oh, later. Yeah, we have one. We have one that I think Pat's going to do. Pat put out a very specific request. And of course, our audience, the lovely audience came up with the exact thing. Yeah, it was fantastic. He put out a alien sports themed romance. And we got one. And we got one. Oh, oh, I have one. I have one too. See, this What's is great. I wonder if it's the same one. Is it by Robin Lovett? The one that I, you came up with? 
I don't remember. I would have to check to see the email again. Yeah. There's a Robin Lovett book. Number two in the Sex Planet books. They're not called the Sex Planet books. That's okay. just what I call them. Yeah. What are they really called? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the first one is called Toxic Desire. It's the one that comes comes after that. Okay. But it's basically like, so sex sports theme, I mean, in this case, sex is the sport. Oh, okay. And there's an arena oh. situation. Oh. He's liking it. I Pat's, think we might get see him. It. Yeah. <laughs> so we have choices for Pat, which is I great. know. Unless that was the book, which it could have been. It might. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the exact name of it, but I know that we definitely got a recommendation from a, a listener, which they're always great with that. They just because I mentioned romance is so massive. It there is. is something for everyone. Yeah. Well, because the first time that happened was I mentioned adult breastfeeding and being into that. And it's just like a torrent of people emailing yep. uh, adult breastfeeding That's books. A thing. Yeah. I, the fun fact, uh, baby Sarah, when she was like 12 or 13, I read Bertree Small's All the Sweet Tomorrows, um, which is like the third or fourth in the Sky O'Malley series and very problematic. Sky, our heroine, is sold. She sells herself into a sultan's harem in the Middle East. Okay. Yikes. Um, Because her husband, who has been uh, abducted into sort of a white slavery situation in that harem. So she sells herself into it to rescue him um, and then becomes a member of the sultan's harem. And the sultan has a uh, breastfeeding fetish and that is the first time I was like 12 (laughs) and that's the first time I read anything like that and it was also the first time I realized that if I were if my parents knew what I was reading I would be in trouble wow yeah did you I had read lots of other things before that where like the the language was sort of purple enough that I didn't really understand what exactly was going where and then I read that and I was like, oh, I would definitely be in trouble. And then I did. That's the first book I can remember actually hiding. Okay. Wow. So that. Virtue Small was a lot. That's. She is not on our podcast this year, though. We no. did not. I did not choose that you as a book, that book? Read. <laughs> You're just uncovering and uncovering issues and issues and issues. Yeah. With that one. What's your thoughts? Because a lot of people do start reading romance very young. Yep. I think the statistics are what? It's. 11 and between 11 and 16 or something. I might be getting that wrong, but very young. Um, now, do you think that that is uh, like, if you had a, you know, if, if your daughter was going to read this or something like that at 11, how would you feel about that? Daughter or son? I guess it doesn't matter yeah. nowadays because men read romance as well. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. But <laughs> if you're, if how revolutionary, yeah. However, <laughs> however gendered your child is, sure. like, what what would your thought be? Is that I I don't think I'd have an issue. No, I I'd mean, want them to up. talk to me about yeah. it. That would be I would want to be able to talk to them about it. I think hiding it would make me feel bad because I'd think, oh, they're not comfortable enough to talk to me or think I'm going to be cool with whatever sexual mm-hmm. preferences they have. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm for it. I mean, for me, I mean, I started young and I did fine. I do fine. Yeah. Um, but I also think more importantly, what better way to teach your children what sex and relationships should be in their sort of in their most evolved state? Like you should 
um, sex should be for pleasure with somebody who you trust, with somebody who cares about you, who's focused on you and your pleasure. Um, and relationships should be about partnership and parity and equity. And it just feels like a romance novel tells that story over and over and over again in a really like progressive way, no matter what the storyline is. So I would love it if my daughter would start with romance, would start romance novels as early as possible. So she would just expect it to go right. Mm -hmm. And expect that from the partner. Yeah. Yeah. She won't. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, People who read romance novels expect more out of their relationships and those, you know, which is the biggest criticism of the romance novel. Like, oh, it sets these really high expectations for women. Like, which is just telling on yourself. Fuck right off. Those are not <laughs> high relation, high yeah. expectations. Like right. it should be a relationship where we are equal and do love each other. So, yeah, I wish more kids would be. I wish more parents would let their kids read romance novels. I mean, I do think that right now, though, that those those statistics are about people like me, right, who's. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with YA. There was very little YA for me. But now there's YA that is sort of telling, I don't know, maybe doing a little more of this relationship work. Yeah, well, and I also think it was probably a little different when you were younger, just the kind of romance novels that existed where there was a harem with a sultan with a breastfeeding fetish. Yeah, that's not great. I wouldn't start there. <laughs> that wouldn't be your first one. But I think now there are so many. I'd be like, hi, V, yeah. try this. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, whoa. What the hell are adults up to? This is awful. You'd have to republish it with a cartoon cover. That would be really the way to get the kids hooked. Graphic novel. <laughs> Yeah. Versus I think now the ones coming out, like you'd be a lot more comfortable with like, yeah, kids reading. Cause I think now there's so much more Absolutely. attention paid to all of those things. Right? I mean, and it feels like there's so much, like we were just saying, the, it's so varied. It's like, if you had a son who's really into baseball, there's this new, the bromance book club. Have you read that yet? Lissa K. Adams. I think that's her name. Wrote a book called the bromance book club. The concept is, um, uh, they're all they're baseball players. The hero, the hero is a bla baseball player, and his wife leaves him, and he's like, "Shit, what have I done wrong?" And so he and all his buddies like get together and they start reading romance novels to like learn how to be better husbands. Yes, and it's very cute and adorable. And like, if you're into baseball, fine. If you're into football, like Alexa Martin's writing a football series, or so there's always somebody. Now there are things that you can go to in contemporary world where people are using, you know, like cell phones and texting. Um, but I mean, I came to historicals because they're awesome. Yeah. I know historicals are the best and it is hard. Like sometimes I wish that Clayton and I weren't so similar because we are both just historicals. Yeah. I have to, whenever we go for the books that we're choosing ahead of time, I have to be like, I got to take one historical out because it's just going to be all historical. Well, you guys yeah. should try that. You should put that one on your list maybe. Oh, 100%. I would be yeah. really interested in hearing Clayton's take on it, actually. Well, the, that was actually recommended to us on the Instagram post mm -hmm. for our uh, November reads. Yeah. So we should do that. I, think I that's really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Great. We'll, we'll do definitely it. check it out. Well, speaking of historicals, do we want to talk about this book at all? <gasps> yes, we do. Do we want to talk about how we ended up choosing this book? Yeah, we can definitely talk about that. Well, what's the book? It's Oh, sorry. It's Earl Takes All by Loretta Heath. So it's another... No, by Lorraine Heath. Yes. Say it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am? I'm going to say it again. Respect. Respect the queen. 
It's because your it's because your phone was there. It's not my fault. <laughs> oh, here we go. Well, you can't blame Pardon? the guest. You can't blame the guest. Don't. She doesn't speak for both of us. We're good cop bad copping this interview. <laughs> there shouldn't be good cop there bad cops bad on podcasts. Cop. <laughs> <laughs> we had to wait for the laugh to die. Yeah, say it. Because everyone's laughing under her name, which is not very nice either. Okay. No. All right, we read Earl takes all. By Lorraine Heath, and it is number two in the Helians of Havisham series. So we put it out to Sarah because we wanted Sarah on the show. Well, yeah, and I saw you right as you'd read Texas Destiny, right? Yes, we went out mm-hmm. for drinks uh, and had a great time. That was so much fun. I'm so happy you we did. Have, it was we have to do I that again. Too. Yeah, <laughs> we have to do that again. We were both good cops there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That we, wasn't an true. interview, though. Three that was just cops. social. Three good cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a social situation, we're, we're nice, but one of us yeah. has to be mean on the mic for some reason. <laughs> yeah. No one knew that, but yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. It's a new Fire format. beware. It's a format change. <laughs> one of us is an asshole. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, so we were talking about this book specifically uh, while we were having drinks, and you ended up picking this one. What, what, was, what drew you to this, and why did you want to do this one specifically? Well, so first things first, I think Lorraine Heath might be the most under unsung and undersung and underrated romance novelist uh, ever. I think she is so brilliant. I've never read a Lorraine book that I don't absolutely adore. She is somebody who, like, if I were getting on a plane and I discovered that I had not read a book of hers, which is not true. I mean, I, now I'm through and I don't have this opportunity which is like hard to even like put in your mind but yeah if I were getting on a plane and realized that there was one that I hadn't read like without question I would know that I could read it over the course of this plane ride and it would be magnificent and I would be so delighted at the end um and so you were reading Texas Destiny and Clayton was talking about how much he loved it I loved it and you hadn't recorded yet but we I got the spoiler that you guys <laughs> loved it. And um, and I said, well, have you read the gorilla book? And <laughs> everybody went a little bit quiet. <laughs> I was confused. I was like, is this a shifter? <laughs> Finally, a shifter for me? <laughs> a gorilla shifter book? And it, um, interestingly, when I said it's an Earl book, it's the Earl book, the Earl something, because uh, anybody who listens to Fated Mates knows that I always get the titles wrong. <laughs> um, and Aaron was like, yeah, I've read that. I just I'm not sure I would call it the Gorilla book. You called it the Gorilla Twins. The Gorilla Twins. And I was just very confused about <laughs> <laughs> Because... Now you know yes. why I called it the gorilla. When I thought about it, I got it. But yeah, because yeah. yeah, I mean, and here's the thing that I love about Lorraine. There's um this there's this way certain romance novelists. There are you know a handful of really fabulous, talented romance novelists who seem to like be able to just shut out all all doubt. And just write a story that is bananas mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and not and it never feels on the read that they've pulled a single punch. And I feel like this is a great example. Lorraine has written multiples of the uh, multiple books like this for me. Um, and my favorite of her books, which is a book called Waking Up with the Duke, is a similar kind of structure where the concept is just the the entire conflict of the book is so so unbelievable that it's hard to imagine how it would end. 
And this book feels the same way to me. So, um, and, and because you sort of have this moment while you're reading where you think, how is she ever going to pull this off? How are these two people ever going to get over what's happened? Um, and at the same time, you're watching this kind of runaway train and you can't stop. Yeah, I, I had that same feeling, too. And we'll, and we'll get into it when we talk deeply about the book. But we know with romance, there's going to be a happy ending. But the best authors make you doubt it to the very mm-hmm. end. Where you're like, you have to check. You have to be yeah. like, OK, this is going to be the one that, that where they don't end up together. But they always do it. They always do it. So that I definitely have that with Lorraine. The two that I've read so far, and there's bound to be more because I, I do love her as a writer. Uh, she just does that so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I was so shocked when you said that she's like undersung because I have read so many of her yeah. books and absolutely love them. And something that I love that she does too is everything exists within the same universe Mm -hmm. like all of her books are like slightly related or like characters will show up in a way that's really clever Mm -hmm. and this is like a a series that's like a spin-off of a Mm spin-off excellent you know yeah i love her and you and also while you're reading it you're not like this is cuckoo bananas you're like no yeah this is uh this all follows logic yeah and then it's only when you're explaining the book to someone else that you're like oh no oh yeah this is insane twins and one of them gets mauled by a grill and the other one pretends to be him for a while and it gets what yeah Yeah. his wife doesn't notice because you know (laughs) until she does until she does which is like such a great moment i love it uh well before we jump in we have to pull the brakes because we do have to discuss the cover let's judge that cover uh, beautiful cover. I love this cover. It's gorgeous. It's Julia, our heroine's back turned to us in a beautiful gown. It's, it, it's, it's understated. It's what you want from a romance cover. Uh, it's elegant. Mm-hmm. I love it. She's in mourning. She's in all so black. She's in black. Yeah. I always find it really striking when they're in black because you don't it's so rare. See that. Yeah. And also you don't often see black haired heroines. So, oh yeah, that is true. Underserved, mm-hmm. uh, underserved uh, hair color. I think I've only <laughs> written one. I'm going to write another next one. Oh, good. No, no, I've just, just decided. decided. <laughs> Congratulations! We get to be here for such a wonderful here you are. Here you are, part of this process. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who is your black-haired heroine? Juliana in Eleven oh. Scandals to Start has black hair. She's Italian. Because she's Italian. Yeah, yeah. And she's holding a white rose. We were all, you know, there was a time, fun fact about Avon, I, I also published with Avon, mm-hmm. um, there was a time when we all had roses on our cover. So I had this same rose on my cover. It's like they photoshopped in this rose. Really? <laughs> it was like, maybe the, the <laughs> artists were like, how many times can we put this rose yeah. on a cover before someone figures it out? Nobody's saying like anything. spent I mean, on the roses and they're like, fuck it, it's going on everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you look at my um, A Rogue by Any Other Name, I have this rose on the cover, and I have it on a different cover, too, I think. Well, because we have a, <laughs> oh. a historical author with us here, can you pull back the curtain on covers? Yeah. Yes, Like, how do. much control do you have? It depends, Okay, is the answer to that. Um, you have control over things. Like, at the beginning of a process, it takes maybe a year, about a year, a year out from publication, they send you a... Um, an email. I get an email from my editor that says, okay, we're going to do the cover for the next book. Can you send me descriptions? Um, is there anything specific you want? Do you have it now much? Now I've written 15. So like 
there's always a, is there a color you really want? Or like, is there something that, you know, you think is important? Um, and so mostly, so for this, I mean, I would imagine that Lorraine sent an email and she was like, the heroine's got black hair. There's probably a step back on this book too, which is what we call the inside cover. For those of you who uh, read a mass market paperback, they're on some books, there's an inside cover and that has the clinch on it. On other books, the clinch is on the outside. Mm. Um, That's what it's called when they're like embracing? The clinch. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. love it, love it. We already have vocab. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I was nodding like the clinch. Yeah, I know what that means. I'm not going to say I love a step back though. Yeah. yeah, I love a step back too. So this one probably has a, it looks like it has a step back on it. That sort of line down the side mm-hmm. indicates that there's a step back in there. So she probably sent the... Um, the description of the two characters, and she probably said, and, he, and she's in mourning. So they knew black, um, and black is really rare on a historical cover. And so um, invariably what happens when you have a black cover is the offset color is something like really bright and gorgeous to pop it off the shelf. And it says ro- romance readers – I mean, you've done that. You've talked about this before. Every time you talk about covers, romance readers are really savvy. Like, you know, a historical romance reader looks at this, immediately knows she's in mourning, immediately knows, like, what this story is going to be. Um, they oh, can't know in what going to be. Yeah, yeah. In Lorraine's hands, no. But <laughs> They know there's going to be gorillas. Um, and then um, if you're lucky enough, like me, to live in New York City, you get invited to a photo shoot. There's a photo shoot? Yeah, you guys should come to the next one. Oh, oh we will. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. It would be very exciting. Right now, yes. HarperCollins is like, wait, what now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are these great photo shoots, and um, they don't look anything like this. Um, is this they, a picture of an, an actual? This is a real person oh, really? who is probably wearing a dress that is white. Okay. And standing in a white, like in a just a sort of very plain looking photo like studio um and then uh and so then i can't i don't know what the step back to this is but it usually involves a lot of like blocks of wood like packed (laughs) like piled on things so like if they're sitting they're sitting on just like a table or a block of wood or if they're you know sometimes like they have to lift the heroine up into the air so she's like seated in a weird position to get the clinch right um And you go to the photo shoot and then they take a bunch of photos that are sometimes and sometimes you get people who are like really connect and have tons of chemistry. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you get people who like one is real off. Oh. And the others are But you don't get to you know, cast not. Them. You do well, that depends. I do get to cast my covers oh, now, but not everybody gets that option. Okay. I'm very lucky. Partially because I live here. Um so when I so I get to go to the photo shoot and then like play Barbies with real life people so when the chemistry is not have you you've had the situation where the chemistry is not right between the actors yeah it's hard because but you can't go in and say anything to them right no it's a lot of like okay so these two people are really into each other (laughs) like okay so this scene is like right before they do it for the first time right like you spend and it's not it's not easy because it's a very uncomfortable. I mean, I get it. It's an uncomfortable situation. They're total strangers. They literally have often met 
you know, there's an hour in the studio and it's very like carefully blocked off and they've met 17 people. And then it's like, now meet the guy you have to like, look like you're into. I've had both. I've had all, all the scenarios I've had heroin, not really into it. I've had hero, not really into it. And I've had like, these two people are on fire. Ooh. Um, my next cover, the cover for Daring and the Duke, like, First of all, they were two of the more most beautiful people I've ever seen in my whole life. And second of all, they just were a flame. And afterward, I was like, oh, maybe they'll get married. That would be so awesome. Sadly, they are both married to other people. But Okay, well, that didn't stop. But if those Edward don't work out. I was going to say, one of them might get killed by a gorilla. You never know. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Also, no. um, the moral of this story feels like don't play with baby gorillas. I think that is. I think that's the uh, wrapping up. <laughs> Having not talked at all about the book, I will say that is the moral of it. If you haven't read this book yet, you are confused. Right now you're yes. like, what? <laughs> but this is fascinating. Yeah. And I like. I will say, though, if you know that you're coming for a photo shoot and you know it's going to be romantic – it is the job of the performer because they are performing mm-hmm. to embody that yes. even if you don't feel it because you're not going to always feel it. So that yeah. that is their job. So I do think um, I have never been to a photo shoot where they have known ahead of time what it is. Oh, they don't so know. So they just show up and they're like, They oh, turn up and they're like, and then they get handed like a piece of paper. And it's like, you're here for a photo for a romance novel cover. Here are all the other photos from her series. So like, it'll have, it's like the Sarah McLean book. And it has like the step back covers from all my books just lined up. And then they're books like, oh, in the series or just like all the books you've done? All the books I've done. Okay. And so, so that they have a sense of like, oh, I'm here for like a clinch. And that, but I think, I think it must be a pretty, it's a weird, I don't know. I don't know anything about modeling, but it feels like it's a weird job. It does sound like the fact that they don't know what they're coming for. they just sent to do whatever. See, that makes it hard. So I can understand then you get coupled with uh, a guy and you're looking and you're thinking, I can't pretend that I'm into this person. You you never know what's going on in their head. This reminds me of a boyfriend from middle school who was mean to me or something. I feel uncomfortable with sexual photographs. Did they? Like, it's not nudity. No, but it's So, like, I'm sure, like, models have to say, like, no, I will or will not do nudity. Right. But, like, if they're not comfortable with the, like, uh, photograph that, like, is sexy... Yeah, that's a very intimate, I mean, that's a very intimate uh, photo to mm-hmm. take with somebody. Mm-hmm. Especially because in romance, like, they can't actually kiss. There's just a lot of photographs, like, because it looks weird when they're touching. So most, it's like an hour of these two people, like, hovering, like, a quarter of an inch away from each other. It's a lot. But have people shown up and been, like, really excited that it's a like a romance novel cover. I've never had that. <laughs> honestly, like I've I I think I mean and this goes to how people feel about romance novels, right? Yeah. Like I've also I've had um I've had models who have asked me not to post their names to the books online. Like I've had I've had some models who were super into it. Yeah. I mean, so that's not that's not a fair assessment. Most of the models have been like really great and like mm-hmm. happily put it on their Instagram and like talked about it. Um, but I think that there is always a sort of sense of like, well, it's not high fashion. It's not fashion. Right. It's not makeup. It's not hair. And they don't get makeup and hair done. They come undone. 
so that they they're literally a body in a dress, and then art does. Everything they don't else. have makeup or hair. No, they they like put it up. If they're like in this case, her hair is up most of the time. Actually, if you look at historical romances, usually the the heroine's hair is up mm-hmm. on the cover, um, and so they put it up, and then they just take a bunch of pictures, and everything gets sort of redone in post. My first books were all done, were all painted. So, you know, it's only in the last 10 years that we've moved away from literal paintings. So, um, like some, you know, like on a canvas? If you go to a publisher, if you go to, you know, Avon or Random House or wherever, mm-hmm. where, or Harper or Random House or Simon & Schuster, like the, the romance novel offices often have oil paintings in storage. Uh-huh. That are like the paintings that were painted for the covers, those old covers. That's so cool. In fact, most, like I would think somebody like Lorraine who's been writing for so long probably has paintings. Like uh, Loretta Chase has, she bought the painting for Lord of Scoundrels um, because she wanted it. And that's so iconic I would absolutely buy the painting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would buy the painting of your books. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you. That, um, that's so cool. But instead, yeah. it's a photo. It's just a photo of April. Of April? Her name is April. The, door, the Daring and the Duke heroine is um, the, the cover. Her name is April, and she was a, she is a former Miss New York. Ooh. You know who else was a former beauty queen? Lisa Claypass. Yes, Miss Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now we're down a rabbit hole. I know, but that's so interesting because no, we also do judge these covers, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I wonder if they just have absolutely no say in it, and then they also sometimes. I mean, I have to say, I only started getting a say in it in the last like four or five years. Yeah. So, like your first novel, you wouldn't really have much. No. I, I I am starting a new segment because I I like talking about the cartoon covers. Now, Aaron's not a fan of. Do cartoon you know about covers. that? So I you're know starting about a new, new segment. segment. <laughs> no, we've done this a couple times. Oh, what is it? Of of uh, what would the cartoon cover be for this? Oh, oh yeah. He just yeah. started saying this, but now it's a segment. Yeah. <laughs> what would the cartoon cover be of this? Clayton? Well, of course, it's going to be. Uh, you're going to have Albert getting mauled by a gorilla in the background in the background and then you're gonna have <laughs> edward and julia kissing in the foreground just violence and love and then it's retitled because you got to rebrand sometimes it's just called the gorilla twins <laughs> and kids will be like this what i don't know what this is but this is it not. looks amazing yeah <laughs> And I want to, and I want to put something out too. So if we have any, if we have any people in the uh, audience who are, who are uh, artists mm. and have like a favorite cover that they would want to cartoonize, send them to us because I think that'd be really fun to see. Like if they have a famous uh, uh, like book that they like and it doesn't have a cartoon cover, make a cartoon cover for it, and it. I think that'd be really fun. Um, Clayton, have you seen like old? harlequin covers where they they are just like this where it's not cartoon they're painted but there's usually like a clinch in the front and then there's like a horse running with the heroine on them in the background or like two people scuba diving in the oh, background no. I, I i would love to see some of i those. will show you some after this oh, recording that's great. and but i think i feel like you'd really 
I, I, that's my thing. And yeah, usually absolutely. it's like four scenes in the corners of the book and then a clinch in the front. I love that. Yeah. I love that I know what a clinch is now. Yeah. Now we're not going to be able to stop saying it. No, no. <laughs> well, why should you? Now you know the proper <laughs> exactly. word. Exactly. If you're going to order a hamburger, you order a hamburger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't say the meat thing with the two thingies. <laughs> meat thing with two thingies. No cheese. <laughs> Wait, and titles you have 100% control over, right? Oh, no. I no? Mean, I mean, you I, do. I have control over my titles, but for the most part, no, we don't have control over titles. Like, That's why they're always so confusing. Well, no. They're confusing to you. Okay. Because you're thinking too hard about them. Mm. Oh. Um, they are not confusing to readers generally. Like, okay. It's like, they don't care. They're like, Duke, Yes. Right. Uh, Duke, yes. Rogue, yes. Scoundrel, yes. More. Please. That's a great. So when I'm I write. I'm not objecting to those words, but I feel like it's always like falling into bed with the Duke and the Duke and Desire. And sure. Which is why I always get them wrong. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. The Earl one. Gorilla yeah. Twins. Yeah, yeah. Let's call it Gorilla Twins. have to rename them. Do you mind if I call my first book Duke, yes? Duke, yes. Duke, comma, yes, yes. exclamation yeah. point. Duke, yes. <laughs> Duchess checked. <laughs> it's like a little checkbox. This Got is a it. great series. This is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Marquess where? Yeah. <laughs> and you can name the whole series like sexclamation. Yeah, sexclamations. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, you're definitely getting a taste of these though, because this is this is a great idea and this is a collaboration. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I gotta give you gotta give what Sarah a taste. Nice thing for you to do. Of course, come on. I'm giving her a taste of this thing that'll never happen. <laughs> Duke, yes. Um. Hey, Clayton, want to take a second to talk about Lola? Of course. <laughs> so, as you know, uh, Lola is a company that makes pads, tampons, feminine wipes, all kind liners, everything that you need. Um, it's founded by women for women or anyone who menstruates. Um, they realized that the FDA doesn't require companies to disclose what is in their pads and tampons and realized that's kind of gross. So they started a line that only has 100% cotton, organic cotton with no chemicals, fragrances, dyes. So you aren't putting any of that stuff inside you or up next to your bits. The other thing that I love about Lola is that they are very customizable. So as you know, normally when you buy pads and tampons, you can only buy one kind and then you end up with a lot of supers or a lot of mediums or a lot of lights, panty liners. But with Lola, you can customize your box since you already know how your flow is going to go most of the time. Um, it means that there's, you aren't going to use, um, you're not going to have a ton left over. You're going to use it all up. And you're going to feel good about it. It's great. So it's less waste. Exactly. And here's the other good thing about Lola. So for every purchase, Lola will donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. That's great. Yeah. Feminine care products, that's the thing that they always are asking for the most. So it's nice that they found that need and then they're responding to it. Giving back. Yeah. A company you can really feel good about using. Absolutely. So for 30% off your first month subscription you can visit mylola.com and enter tropes when you subscribe. So that's mylola.com, M-Y-L-O 
L-A.com, Intertropes, T-R-O-P-E-S, and you get 30% off your first month subscription. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. So try it, check it out, see how you feel, month one, but you're probably going to stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Clayton, what was this book about? Jeez, well, <laughs> where do I start? Oh my God. Pat's like, it's been five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Live with it, Sango. Oh, jeez. So, the bad cop. That's the bad cop for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm the bad cop in this threesome as well. <laughs> so, this book is about Julia, our heroine, who, this book starts with, she has, she kisses who she thinks is her man, Albert, but it turns out to be her twin, his twin brother, Edward. And there's passion there, but she didn't know that it was Edward, and Edward says that it's him, and she gets really mad. Then we fast forward to later. Edward and Albert have gone to Africa, but only one of them have come back. Now, the person who comes back says he's Albert, but he's not Albert, he's Edward. (gasps) And Edward has to pretend to be Albert so that Julia doesn't lose her baby because she's lost babies before, and the trauma... And the grief would would maybe kill the baby. So he's got to pretend. Also, if he needs an heir, like a male baby. Albert. Albert needs a male so that because he's an earl and that will continue the bloodline and then they'll have all the stuff that they have currently. So that's a big thing, too. Now, Julia does not know and did not could not tell the difference between Edward and Albert. She's basically breaking like the biggest romance heroine rule ever, uh, which is which recognize is, your have, You should be able to recognize your twin. Yeah, not having facial recognition. Literally, yeah. that like whole books have been built on this only, only this rule that yeah. like a heroine can tell the difference and no one else can. Well, because mm-hmm. not Julia. No, Julia. Well, okay. Because remember, Kiss of the Highlander, our very first book. He has a twin, and she. Well, not a twin, but a brother that looks very similar, I believe. Or they could have been twins. They weren't twins, right? But they were just really close. Looking. I think they were twins. They were yeah. probably they, twins. They were twins. Yeah. Oh, they they were, they were twins. Uh, kisses him, uh, immediately Instantly, knows. Instantly, of Instantly course. knows. But she doesn't know. But it's funny, which what I really liked about this book, too, is that so Edward was a wayward guy. He was looked at as kind of a Weasley person. And so his, well, not a Harry Potter Weasley. No, no, not, no. no. Like a weasel. Like a weasel. Like her drawings. She did drawings of all the people in her life and he was the weasel. Julius Beatrix Potter. But his obituary, and I wrote it because I think this is really crazy that this is (laughs) someone's obituary. This was, this was Edward's obituary. (laughs) Yes. I did the same thing. No, this is the end of it because there's something about, you know, he died, he was 27. Sadder still is the knowledge that he failed to accomplish anything of note during his 27 years upon the earth. Who is this asshole obituary writer who's like, I'll really nail this dead guy. It's also, yeah, it's like an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. She's like, here's yeah. what we have to say about him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame he had such a small penis. <laughs> and did not know how to use it. And did not, yes. <laughs> Truly a shame. Mm. Uh, yeah, th- I thought that was crazy. And that's how we get introduced to Edward. So we actually learn about Edward through a rem- the remembrances of him through other people. But Edward's there to uh, hear it, 
which is terrifying uh, for me. Yeah, especially. it's very like a Christmas carol Yes. Yeah. Like, but so he has uh, two friends. He has uh, Ash and Locke and Ash immediately knows. He knows they instantly instantly. And that's why I thought was great about this book. It wasn't everybody was in the dark. It was mostly her. And then other people just went along with it because they didn't notice him as much. It's like anything like somebody, you know, loses weight or gets a haircut. You see them so much that it's just kind of like them and you don't really focus on the details. But they know and he's able to talk about it. And he says to them, listen, I'm going to do this because of these reasons. I have to do this. So it's just going to happen. And they agree. So, well, they're basically like, well, this is definitely going to go badly, like, but yeah. all right. Oh, yeah, they're, they, they don't agree. They say this is awful, well, but they, we're leaving. But they agree not to say anything because yeah. it's up to him to say something. But they definitely are like, well, let's see what happens here. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. And every time they turn up, like for the rest of the book, they're like, now, how is it going? Yeah, yeah. How's it going? Um, they, what they do is uh, Julia and Edward, Edward will not touch her really or get intimate with her until the baby comes and that's what he says she's constantly trying to get him to be physical with her and he won't because he doesn't want to harm the baby and also he doesn't want to have sex with her because he has to tell her he's gonna tell her after the baby comes well turns out he doesn't tell her after the baby comes he falls in love with her and she falls in love with him and he can't do it so he's gonna live a lie (laughs) My favorite part of this, of doing these episodes, is, like, I read a book and then having you explain it back to me. (laughs) You're like, is this the same book? No, it isn't. But it's just, it always, like, makes me laugh. Like, the things that you pick up on as, like, this is the really important thing, which are are things that I don't remember always. Okay, continue. Um, By the way, you skipped the entire part where he's mauled by a gorilla. Oh, I was going to say. So I was going (laughs) to. Which is the only important thing. Wait, should we just open it up to discussion? Like, that's the book? Or do you have more parts you want to talk about? No, no. Well, so, but what anyway? Anyway, what happens is that there is a miscommunication. She finds out, and then they, it's they fight, and then they get back together because it is a romance, obviously. So yeah. that's that's in broad strokes. So we can mo- drill down now. Yeah. Um. But they do. You know, he is. So Albert does get mauled by a gorilla. Yeah. And at first, we think that it's because Albert was playing with the baby gorilla, but it turns out. Since Edward lies about a lot of things, uh, everybody lies about a lot of things in this book. Edward lied that it was Albert playing with the the baby gorilla. It was actually Edward playing with the baby gorilla, and then Albert told him not to, and then the gorilla came and killed Albert instead of Edward telling Albert not to. And because the, the gorilla. gorilla couldn't tell the difference either. No, no. the gorilla and Julia are in the yeah, dark. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, this is an excellent book, and you need to read it. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, what I love, too, that she does that's fantastic is, like, in his memories, <clears throat> she never says, I said this, or Albert said this. He's, she's just saying lines as he's remembering it. So you aren't really sure what happened. Like, no. You understand one person died, but you aren't, like, who who it was, necessarily, until he actually reveals the whole story. So, oh, so you're saying that there was a question asked to if, if it was Edward or Albert? Yeah, because in one of the memories, he just says like, "He's so cute." Like, um, oh, Julia oh, at the very beginning, yeah. the, when he's yeah. talking about the gorilla. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, but you know, it's Edward the entire time, mm-hmm. and you see that first scene is from Edward's point of view of him liking Julia and 
kissing her, thinking it was real in the start of something, and then her being like horrified when she realizes that he's not Albert. Yeah. So, yeah, poor Edward. But also, mm-hmm. what a fucker! What an in- yeah, <laughs> what an insane thing to do. No, but I don't like it. No. I mean, I love this book a whole lot, but this time I was like, I spent a lot of time being like, I don't know if there's enough cold storage for this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, <clears throat> I, I will say there is a level of, uh, me not really being able to get behind Edward in this whole book. And also, cause that's such a huge lie. Yeah. That is, and, and I think lying is fine socially. It lubricates society. That's what I <laughs> yeah. believe. We all have to. Yeah. Let's be honest. Because there's no one more exhausting than that person's like, I tell the truth 100% of the time. It's like, no, lie to me. You're a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear that you like my sweater and that the train was late. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's times when truth, when you, when you should be truthful. And then there's times when just lie all day. Like, if you're at your job. <laughs> Just lie all day. There's no reason to tell the truth. Just lie. <laughs> like if I call in sick at my job, say I'm sick, I can't come in. If I if my boss were to say that's not true, that's a lie. That just ruins the whole system. They don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. It ruins the whole system. If I call in and said, "Listen, here's the truth. I don't want to work today, <laughs> and I have sick days, so I'm going to take them." And I don't want to take them when I'm sick because that's a waste of a sick day. That does nothing for anybody. That ruins it for me. That ruins it for everybody. So we just lie and we agree that there's a lie. Because you call with the guy, you say, oh, I can't come in because I'm sick. They know that's because if you're actually sick, you're not thinking about how you sound to sound sick. You just are so sick that you just say whatever you're going to say. That's an agreed upon lie. These kind of lies are, I mean, how do you have a life with somebody that it's such a fundamental lie? So last weekend, that shitty Chris Pratt in space movie was on. Oh, Passengers. Bar. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> right. That movie. And so the premise of this book, of this movie, <laughs> is I'm... Like his pod, so there are, I don't know, two, 200 Mars people or something. are on like on a transport ship to colonize a inhabitable planet. Who cares? Uh, Chris Pratt's pod malfunctions. He wakes up. There's 90 years until they get to their destination. He's for sure going to die. He just has to make friends with the robot bartender, which who seems lovely, by the way. It's Michael Sheen. Yeah. What's not totally, like? totally fine. So and he like looks into one of the pods and he sees his hot girl and he's like, I think I love her. First mm. of all, thumbs down, dude. And then he wakes her up and then conv- like basically tells her like her pod mal- malfunctioned too. Uh, that's not great. And no. it's unforgivable. Yeah. Like basically the only proper ending for this movie is that she murders him and puts him into a pod and then lives out the rest of her days with the robot bartender. Yeah, However, this is a horror <clears throat> film. It's a romance novel. What? They end up together. I know, but this is... No, a, it is a horror. You could have recut that movie as a horror In movie. In fact, somebody did and sent oh. it to me, and I was like, this is magnificent. This is exactly what it should have been. Like, yeah. he's clearly a monster, and I hate him yeah. forever. Anyway, the point is, this is all relevant, in oh, yeah. that it feels like, how do you ever come back from... How does Jennifer Lawrence ever come back to, like, actually liking this guy who ruined her life. What's well, a death sentence. Who murdered her, basically. Yeah, murdered her for his own, like, sexual fantasy. And how do you come back from 
You lied. To, you like my husband died. Who she loved was not a bad who person. I loved, and you didn't give me a chance to mourn him. Or, I mean, ah, there's so much to hate. That was the big thing for me when she finds out, and this is another because the last the Rain Heath book we read, Texas Destiny, our hero also had a bum ear. Oh, yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. he lost hearing in the war. And Oh, I love that bum ear. I know. Yeah. Well, she uses the bum ear again because <laughs> Al- Albert had a bum ear. And Julia liked to say nasty. She's a filthy, dirty She's, talker. But she would do it in his ear yeah. because it's unbecoming of a lady. Well, because he was very, seemed to be very into how she acted. He was a little starched. Yeah. So she would whisper into his bad ear these filthy things. <gasps> Oh, sorry. I, oh, no, you keep going because I didn't read it that way. I mean, I read it that way, but you keep going. Oh, this might be another raccoon hat situation. What? With Lorraine oh, Heath. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, raccoon hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah raccoon still, hat. Yes, we're yes. still uh, not in agreement. Anyway, yeah. go on. So she w- whispered into uh, Edward's ear the filthy thing while they were going to get busy, and he responded to it. And that's how she found out that it wasn't Albert. Yeah, and she gets it's a magnificent sick reveal to her stomach, and I was sick to my stomach, and I felt because then when she mentions he's been dead for months, and I didn't know and didn't get to mourn him, that was I think the most powerful moment of it. It's not even just that this person is dead; it's just this time was stolen from her. This time of mourning was was just taken from her, and I that was the deepest cut. Well, she had to mourn it twice. Right, because she had to mourn dead Albert, but then she had to mourn like horrible Edward too, who was not Edward but was Albert, but wasn't Albert was better than Albert. Like so complicated because she was more attracted to Edward than she ever was to Albert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a whole thing. Actually, my whole on this reread. Originally, I read it the same way that she'd always whispered dirty things into that bum ear. On this reread, I had a moment where I was like, I wonder if. She didn't. If she learned all the dirty things from his collection of books oh. and she was whispering them into his bum ear, like, because she'd read all of Edward's filthy books. Oh, so she had just started doing that. She oh, never that did it to something. Albert. Oh. Like, Lorraine puts on the, ta- on the table this idea that, like, Edward had this collection of magazines and books that were not appropriate for women. Madame Bovary. But also, like... This kind of hint that there was other stuff in that collection. And then suddenly she's like whispering. So I don't know. I don't I don't think it's clear on the page, but I had a moment where I was like, maybe so, it's fresh. Yes. Yeah, so Edward <clears throat> awakened that side of her. I mean, he did awaken that side of and her. Yeah, and yeah, and that's what led her to try to do that. But she did it with what she thought was safe at first, which was his bomb ear. Mm-hmm. So she never did that to Albert. That's a very interesting point. And Lorraine, like at at several points, there's at one point she turns to Edward thinking that he's Albert and says, I'm changed. I'm different now. Right. Because I've read and she actually that's the conversation where she's like, I've read Madame Bovary. I've done all this stuff. Um, and then he is so she acknowledges that he's so different and that they're so different together. There's this magnificent passage where she talks about um, where Julia is thinking and she's like, I thought marriage, I thought our marriage had, it was, it was great, but it had stagnated. And now look, like there's all this fresh new love 
to be found between us. Like maybe Africa changed him. Maybe Edward's books changed me. And now we can like marriage becomes exponentially more wonderful now. I mean, it's a really complex emotional story because at the end you think, or not at the end, 60% of the way through the book, you're like, this cannot work. These two people cannot end up happy. Yeah. When I think the thing that is also important because it's before they have sex for the first time that it's all revealed is Edward has, you know, he kept setting up these deadlines for himself Mm. of when he was going to reveal. And then he just did it because he had sort of always been in love with her, but in living as her husband fell deeper in love with her. And he had decided he would just become Albert and never reveal it to her and just live the rest of his life as somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know why, if that makes it better. I feel like I'm the one at this table who's like the least upset about Edward lying because. Oh, I should say by the end, I'm like on board. Oh, yeah. Like I'm fully team Edward by the end. I become team Edward at the end of that chapter where she says, you said you were going to tell me right after the baby was born. It's been six weeks. What did you wait? What were you waiting for? And his response is, I was waiting to fall out of love with you. And like done. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and we and we do find out that Edward was her first kiss. Yeah. That was her first kiss. And she never had yes. the same feeling with Albert that she did with Edward. So Edward was truly her first love. The thing with Albert is that he's not a bad person. He w- seemed like a good guy. He seemed like they could have had a future. But it does start to unravel when you see that what – Edward had that Albert never did. Well, Edward was sexy in the sense, I mean, empirically sexier, right? Albert always wore a nightshirt and like, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. all sorts of like. And would it let her read Madame Bovary? Code. Said, yeah. Wouldn't let her give him a hand job in the bathtub. Yeah. Well, she never even tried, but she didn't. But she even, knew. knew. that she couldn't even try. She knew she couldn't even try. Yeah. That was a great scene, by the way. Yeah. That's yeah. a great yeah. scene. Uh, nobody does those like short, like sexy couple of pages and you're like hot and bothered like Lorraine yeah um I yeah so we know that Albert's last words to Edward were be me and then take her to Switzerland and so he talks to her and he's like do you want to go to Switzerland like after it's been revealed and she's like not particularly like I guess it sounds nice but now I wonder sort of was he saying not be me as in like pretend to be me but sort of like step into the role that I had like marry her and edward just took it like too literally well because i think so switzerland is a place where rich people could go to get married because it's illegal for it was illegal at the time for a brother brother to marry the widow of the of a brother so you couldn't marry some you couldn't marry somebody who you know like that like edward couldn't you couldn't marry marry anything because there's another book where it's, you couldn't marry anything. Well, no, you couldn't marry like where this woman is married to somebody and then she also falls in love with his son after he dies. And you can't marry and the they son. Can't, you can't marry. They say because once you get married, then now you're all actually blood related. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. And there's, and they were trying, everybody's trying to change that law. A lot of rich people went to Switzerland and things like that. So <clears throat> that that is a question whether, because that's one of the things that I think saves this book mm-hmm. is I do think Albert knew of the attraction between the two of them and that he Well, never, Albert saw it. He saw yeah, the kiss. He saw the kiss and he also knew the reason Edward was such a, a jerk to her all the time was because 
it was middle school stuff. It was, I have to, I like to, you so much. Yeah, I like you so much that I gotta pretend that I hate you because that's the only way I can get through this. And he saw that. I mean, Albert seems like a guy who knew what was going on and he was giving his brother blessing to do what he needed to do. That's why he said Switzerland. Because if he just said be me, then that's different than Switzerland because Switzerland is where fa- where rich people go to get married. So mm-hmm. I think that does save this book. Albert knew. Mm-hmm. And Albert like, Edward, be with your love. I got mauled by a gorilla. You saw. You saw. I'm covered in ticks. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> do you think gorillas have ticks? The, I don't yeah. know. Maybe. I don't know. Just, is got, that a bad question? Are there ticks in Africa? Can you get Lyme in Africa? Is a question. I don't know. I, I mean, so. then covered in something. Yeah, definitely something gross. Some yeah. some bugs that are you don't want on you. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so ultimately, verdict? Like, yes, you're on board with with Edward. I by the end. Here is yes. I I approve of their uh, union. Yes. <laughs> the thing though about this book that I wasn't super down with them about was their treatment of their help they were so dismissive of their help in so many ways because anytime a one of their the footmen would be around or the nanny or 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 tori or any of those people there would be something going on with that drama and they'd always say to each other doesn't they don't have the right to have an opinion on us don't worry about what they say and like all the, the 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 way that they treated the help I thought was really super dismissive. And then when Edward goes and tries to help that family that's sick, that's him just flexing because he goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, you're not going to be able to find healthy people to help sick people because then it's just going to spread and kill everyone. And he says, I don't care. Do it. And the doctor's like, what do you want me to do, fucking guy? You want me to die for all these sick people who are going to die anyway? You know, we don't have the kind of medicine to, to help all these people. And so Edward was trying to act like he's such a good guy dealing with these people. But he was so mean to all the servants in the house. I wanted to be like, take care of your house first. Like that would show him as more of a better, gentler person than going somewhere else and helping a sick person that he doesn't even know. Like that did bother me. I know that's very nitpicky because I did love this book. And I think I we nitpick books that we love because otherwise, sure. you know. But I did find that it was like very dismissive of all the help, her and him. I, I think that that's also sort of the, the way that it was at yeah, the time. Like, I know. I, there you are never two be... versions of historicals. I feel yeah. like there's like the school of historical authors who treat the help like help Mm -hmm. and the school of historical authors who treat the help like friends. And like, I don't think I like, I I think both of them are totally fine in, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not a help like help person. I'm a help like friends person, but I think that's a very modern construct too. Like certainly it's a thing that you get a lot of hate mail for if you write them that way. Um, if you write them as friends or yeah, as okay, friends. you get hate mail if they're friends. Yeah, you get a lot of pushback for it not being historically. It's it's one of the historical accuracy fights. I mean, like these historical accuracy fights are incredibly racist, incredibly classist, incredibly ist. Yeah, fill in your ist, um, and help is one of them. Okay, um, so it did not code to me that way, but I'm always interested to hear what 
romance virgins feel in that world. Yeah. So I don't read historicals to learn about history. Yeah. And I don't read Oh, well, I mean, also, I don't actually buy that it this is. I think it was probably different for all kinds of different people. Like, yeah. There are different I'm sure there were definitely families. Like, I don't imagine how you could have literally a lady's maid for 40 years and never interact with them in a, in yeah. a like, emotional way. Well, she, and with her lady's maid, it did feel like they were more friendly. Yeah. Or, like, talked about things. Because the lady's maid definitely felt comfortable, like, criticizing her, like, um her actions and things. Mm. And Julia never came back at her like, shut up, I just pay you. She was just <laughs> sort of like, you kind of have a point. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there so, just, but I also think it's like... I get it. Uh, well, it's like there's people who go to restaurants and they want to make all the waiters their best friends. And there are people who go to the restaurant who are just like, this is a waiter and I am nice and kind to this person because I'm not a monster. But like, I don't need to know where they went to college. But then there's people who completely ignore it. So the thing is... I am one of those people who I think people want to be acknowledged. Yes. But they but they don't want to be your friends. A waiter does not want you to be their friend. They want to be acknowledged. They if they fill your water glass, thank you. Right. A, eye contact, things like that. They just went out of their way, I think uh, in this book, at least some of the things to talk about the help as if they mattered so little to the situation that I didn't feel like it needed to be called out. Just have them do what they're doing, but then don't have the characters thinking or talking about how little those people matter. Mm. That was my one thing. Well, I think that all they were saying, too, was she was worried that the servants would figure out what was going on. And he was basically saying, like, they're kind of paid to keep our secrets. They are just here to run this house for the Earl. And I am the Earl. So really, this isn't something we my really... My name is Earl. My name is Earl. We do, so really, we don't have to ex- explain it all to them. Yeah. Which made sense to me. I, I didn't think it was dismissive. I think this is a situation where Lorraine realized that she had a couple of... Pit, she had a couple of problems, right? Which were... I mean, my big thing, for the first, like, 35% of this book, there is no discussion at all of, like, what his plan is, right? Yeah. Like... At some point, they're all going to find out, like, unless he decides to become Albert forever, which is not his intent at the beginning, there is, like, an, a fundamental question, which is, what happens when you have to tell the whole world that it was Albert who died and not you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that that, for me, one of the things that happens often in Lorraine's books is she has these sort of like crazy ideas and you have to go for the ride with her. But there are a fundamental questions. What happens like when the servants discover that this is happening? I do think servants in a historical are problematic from a writing perspective because they are everywhere. They are in every room all the time. They are in like... If you are writing a rich person in England in the 1800s, like an, a titled person, they have like 250 staff. And they're changing you into your bedclothes. They're everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere. And so you have to have a moment, like invariably in my books, like there's a line, a throwaway line that's like, he was, he paid his servants well enough for them to keep his secrets. Done. Gone. Right? Like, I think sometimes, especially when you come up with an idea that's so complex and needs um, and sort of requires readers to jump through hoops to follow you, you need to you need to have the conversation where she's like, what about the servants? And he's mm. like, well, 
as you know, Bob, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> they're not people. Are, <laughs> to they us, don't they keep yeah. secrets? <laughs> well, that, I mean, and, and you know what? That is a that is actually very illuminating because that is why she had to call it out so much. Mm-hmm. That's why it was. Don't worry about the servants. Don't worry yeah. about the servants. So in my mind, I wasn't thinking they're going to say anything. I was more thinking, wow, they just don't really. Yeah, and treat this is sort of a well. sauce, how the sausage is made moment, but like. You also don't know, like, her editor could have just really been like, I'm real worried about the servants in this book. And then suddenly you're like, well, I guess I got to talk about servants for That's true. That's very true. Six pages. <laughs> so, so the thing I don't like about this book could be like an editor- editorial note. Yeah, Possibly. but I mean, also, everybody should really treat their servants better in historicals. Yeah. PSA. Just because <laughs> I think that is the sign for me of... A good person. A, a good person. And, I, and I, that might be me looking through the present tense lens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm not a big, it doesn't have to be completely historically yeah. accurate. Class for me in to romance like novels is, it's real hard. Like, it's really, really, I mean, this is sort of a bigger question than this podcast. But, like, writing rich people in the 1800s in England where there's, like, such a clear caste system is not easy. Because there really is this sort of sense of, like, well... Would they ever interact with the, like, the poor people down the street? Or, like, what is the servant class? How do they, how do you make sure that there's humanity everywhere? Like, it's complex. And that's not to say that it's not able to be done. It's just, it's complex. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't get that they didn't like the servants or anything. And I thought a lot of that, too, was Edward had lived so long in this fog where he only thought of himself Mm. in the sort of way that you do when you have something big going on with you, like him being in love with his brother's wife. He couldn't ever really see beyond that. So he was always drinking and traveling and gambling and doing all these things. And the way that he finds this family that he, like, helps through a flu epidemic is like a little boy is in the bakery with no shoes on, like trying to buy one mince pie and Edward buys all these pies and cupcakes and goes to the house and realizes that the father has died and the mother's very ill. And there are three children and stays to help nurse them through. And I think that's the first time that he comes out of himself Mm -hmm. and is purely being altruistic in taking care of these people who cannot do anything for him in return but he just feels sort of this responsibility for them. Well, and he has been so selfish for his whole life. Like Mm -hmm. his obituary is basically (laughs) this guy's a total D bag. Like, I mean, and he's, we're all better off. Like never helped a sick kid in his life. (laughs) And his friends are like, Oh, and you drink too much and you're kind of an asshole. Like there's just no sense ever that he's not, that he deserved any kind of joy mm-hmm. until he falls in love. And then he's like, and then he seems, he, he realizes that like he doesn't deserve her. Like what he's done is cold storage forever. Mm-hmm. Get in the pod, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Jump off the goddamn shit. <laughs> so we have the most important question. Mm. Would you fuck them? Let's start with our guest. Sarah, would you fuck them? Oh, for sure. Both of them. First of all, I love a dirty talker, so Julia is in. Uh, and, like, I i mean, Edwards, see, I really like a hero who, like, hates himself. Okay. Yeah, that's the best kind. Angst. Just yeah. angsty. Just, yeah, not worthy. I would. I would not fuck them both together, though. 
Okay, yeah. See, people get confused with that question sometimes. We've had other guests who who think that would you fuck them means them together. No. Mm-hmm. But it means them individually. Separately, yes. Together, no. Would you, would you fuck Albert? No. Okay. Nobody wants to fuck Albert. See, there's a difference between Edward, who hates himself and is, like, repressed, forced, forces himself into repression, and Albert, who is just, like, naturally repressed. True. Yeah. Albert was never going to have a third act like revelation and start changing his ways necessarily. No. In fact, it didn't even seem like Africa was doing that for him. Like this walkabout was not. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't talk about the journal, but she finds the journal that he kept. And the whole time he's just talking like pretty blandly, but he does talk about how he's sort of discovering how in love with her Edward is. I was going to say his journals are a snore. Well, <laughs> first of all, they begin my dearest darling and thumbs down on that. Yeah. No, not going to be. You gotta just be like, what's up? <laughs> like, dear Julia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also, like, I love that he calls her Jules, and, like, he's, yeah. like, there's so many cute little moments where she's, like, wait, you would never, like, you never were like this. Like, Africa has changed you. I like you now in a way that I didn't, like, I loved you before, but I like you And now. it's probably the love that you would have back in that time where, women were reliant on the people they married and Albert was a guy who wasn't abusive, seemed like a decent person. So he was a catch. There might not have been passion, but for that time, that's a great person to be with. Well, and also am I on fate of mates? We talk a lot about cunnilingus. So I apologize. No, we talk about cunnilingus here too. I mean, I know, but (laughs) so, (laughs) but so, but it also struck me that like, I don't think Albert went down. No. no. I think they did it just specifically. In the nights. dark, night yeah. shirt up. Yeah. Just a little missionary. And like Edward was like, I can get it done to you. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, cool. Let's do this. <laughs> do you think that there was a part of her that knew it was Edward the whole time and didn't want to admit it to herself? She had to know a little because bit, right? it is crazy. Like, we are joking how clueless she is, but there is something about the her not wanting to see what's in front of her yeah. because the alternative is so big yeah. and insane. So if she's like, no, my husband is still alive. My husband being dead is horrific and changes everything. So she just sort of is not really taking stock for things that probably she would have taken stock in if she was really trying to figure it out. You have to assume that at some point it was coming. Like it had to come if it if she didn't know right away, and I actually don't think she did. I think like the setup was such that it was complicated. Like he was shut down because of emotions and mm-hmm. like so there were a lot of things that were in play that fine, I can suspend disbelief. But like at some point she's gonna know like figure it out. There's right. no way that this is a sustainable ruse for thirty years. Yeah. It would never last a lifetime. But Aaron, you would fuck them both. <laughs> what a segue. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Because Julia seems super hot and dirty talking and into just sort of like sex anywhere and just trying different things. And I think that's great. Yeah, open. Yeah. Edward seemed is, yeah, very attractive. And yeah, seems like he would be a lot of fun. So yeah, 100% both. I, I would fuck them too. Yeah. I'd fuck them both too. But I'd fuck them at the same time. <laughs> really? You just jump in there. <laughs> I feel like it's too. I'd like, come back dressed too like Albert. Intense. 
He would just jump into the bath. Like, I'm alive. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to clean these ticks off me? I mean, it is funny because when I read these books, I think I often think to myself, like, as a writer, how would I tell this story? Like, what would I do now? Like, what would I how would I change the story? I'm like, there's so many options that she could have had. Like, he could have come back and been the next book. Like, he could like there were all sorts of like crazy things. And like, I just always appreciate that what Lorraine does is she sets a course and she really nails it yeah yeah i i mean it's it is a great book and i would say like definitely read it even though we do i mean obviously we spoil it so uh but uh, you know i would say even knowing that albert's killed by a gorilla does not ruin it because i actually did know because you guys were talking about it you so think that, that's the thing that would ruin it well <laughs> maybe they well now that i know how he now, dies now i know how he dies i don't want to no, know the this. joy of this book because i reread it cover to cover this time mm-hmm. where i've read like scenes since i finished it for the first time is like unmatched and mm-hmm. Even if you know exactly everything that's going to happen, it does not matter. No, and it just peel like it, the level of layers, the the way that she peels back the layers is just she's such a beautiful writer. Like if you just want a great romance novel, you cannot do better than her. She can really peel the onion, right? That's what they say in the romance community, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, the editor that's says, "Man, say. you really peeled that onion, Sarah." Because <laughs> yep. you're going to make people cry. Hmm. Mm. She does make people cry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the emotions. <laughs> I can't wait for your succamation series. <laughs> well, <laughs> Are they going to be holding an onion instead of a white rose? No, because the onion's like industry talk. Oh, oh. Like so the, I'll talk to my like editor like that. that. Yeah. I'll be yeah. like... But I will talk about that in, you know, when people interview me, I'll be like, hey, you know, I really want to really peel that onion. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> of course you don't. You're not in the industry. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's good to insult interviewers as they're asking about your book. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you got to be a bad cop when you're getting interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> I won't be there for you, yeah, so you yeah. need to be the only, your own bad cop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Goodreads list, guys. Oh, my gosh. you got to be on every single one. Barely any. What? what? Well, this is 2016. But well, still, that's like three years still, ago. It, you have three years it's to put Lorraine. this on all Everybody needs to read more Lorraine Mahith books. Yes. I mean, we're doing our part. We're doing... We've never... <laughs> we're doing our part. Hey, we've never don't come at us. <laughs> I'm bad cop now. (laughs) There we go. It rotates. If we cut out the part in the beginning where I say her name wrong, no one's going to know the bad cop. Oh, we're keeping it in. Uh, We got to. Her, Lorraine Heath and Loretta Chase, for some reason in my mind, are like. I mean, that's very on brand for Fate of Maids crossover. I grew up (laughs) fucking up the names. I love her, though. Yes. Um, It is not on many, but we did one of her books last month. We're doing one this month. So it's on the Learning the Tropes Goodreads list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Here we, we go. Start that. Best ever historical romance novels. It should be on the list. Yeah. Um, he Fell First historical romance. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a yearning book. Mm. He yearns for so long. Did he fall? Did she like him when? No, she didn't know she liked him until she kissed him at the way beginning, right? No, she thought she thought he was a monster even after that, didn't he? No, she was mad because she wanted to kiss Albert first, and Edward took that from her, so she was pissed. Okay, but I think but she, she felt the passion, and then she yeah. thought that he just didn't like her because he was so mean to her. All the time. I will say it's debatable whether or not she liked him at the same time that he liked her. At least at the very beginning where when they kissed for the first time. She felt the passion, but I don't think she... I think he was super in love with her, though. Yeah. From okay. the start. It can stay on the list. 
Okay. <laughs> this you. is a list just called Edward. <laughs> I mean, appropriate. Appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> if if any list, it should be on this one. Also on the Julia and Edward list. <laughs> yes. Yes. This person has a lot of time on their hands. I would say. Just well, Go no, but like kitchen. the first book on that list is Twilight for sure. Oh, probably. oh, you think so? Yeah, for oh, a while I was be. putting like where they were on the list, but I stopped that unless they're number one. I've never read an Ed- I'm written an Edward. See, there you go. We're writing Next a book one. for you. You right got to make that list. <laughs> we need a special get on that Edward. He's going to be list. drinking mel- uh, uh, breast milk and getting <laughs> from shaved a from heroine. a dark haired heroine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Best Avon romance. Yeah. I mean, am I on that list? Yes, you are. You got to be on that list. Yeah. No, actually, you were. It was four of your books and then this one. Oh, thanks. Whoever oh, that no. Is. Okay. Next one. You're never going to guess. Julia. Okay. <laughs> is this, this has got to be the same list maker. Yeah. Got to be. Then, what a weird list. Yes. Pe- yeah. No, this is the list that all, like a ton of your titles were on. Punny romance titles. The Earl Takes All? I don't understand what That's the pun, not a pun is. The Earl Takes Winner I mean, takes all winner takes all, but that's not. No. It would have to be. Mm-mm. Sinner takes all. Yes, yeah, sinner takes all. That's a pun. Yeah. I'm writing it down. <laughs> this is your next book. I don't know. <laughs> you guys were just, let's keep going. Do we get a per diem for this? Or? <laughs> great. <laughs> it's like work? being in a writer's room. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Like great British rake off. That's oh, a pun. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's your next book, Sarah. <laughs> You've done it. That's your next book. It's oh all these God, rakes that the are competing. Series title: The Great British Rake Off. Take it out. I don't want it in this. Okay, you want it? I get a taste of that. I get a no. taste of that. We're all giving each other tastes. Welcome. Oh my God, that's great. Someone write that right now. The Great British. I'm rake-off. currently working on British Duke. Yes. Uh, but after my after oh my god but that's like it shouldn't uh, sexclamations is out oh, oh do it's rake off now first. the great british rake off okay. and all the titles are duke yes oh, oh. yes okay great there yeah. we go sold wait those aren't the only lists that it has and then it was just on like anticipated okay well first 2016 all, it's got to be on a twins list somewhere these were I checked and I did You're the thing like, where I changed the title. Okay. I mean, I changed the cover. Oh, to see. Yeah. Okay. So it needs to be on a twin list. It needs to be Fresh Scent of Piney Hero. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Secret Identity, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are very classic tropes. Yeah. So. Mauled by a gorilla. Yeah. I mean, come Gorilla on. twins. The, yeah. It's <laughs> got to be on that list. There, if we had time to make lists, we would fix all of this. But yeah. murdered by wild animal has got to be yeah mauled list. by an animal. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking of tropes, I'm shocked there isn't a romance twin list. There must be. But I bet there is, and it just on isn't it. on it. This is all the ones that were like it was on currently. Wow, it's not even on like family series or anything because they're a family. Mm. Found family, yeah, between the boys. Oh yeah, because they uh, they were or they were their parents died. Yeah, brotherhood. They, yeah, series. There's a lot. There's a lot going yeah. on in this. There's, you're slacking, Goodread list makers. Mm-hmm. Dirty talk, yes. historical dirty talk. Yeah, Clayton. What are your tropes? I hate you. I love you. Twins. Big lie. Big big lie. Oh, big lie. Yeah. Fake marriage. Uh, bastard child because the, the child is a bastard. No, no, that's not what a bastard is. She's legitimate. Her parents were married. Uh, okay, but 
okay. They, if it was, if he had, so wait, sorry. If he didn't seminate if Edward, her. Yeah, if Edward had a baby with her, there'd be a bastard child. And there, if they weren't married, so she does get pregnant. Yeah, with the boy. But they're not, they weren't married at the time. No, they were. They went to Switzerland. Oh, well, he was conceived in sin. Yeah. But they got married. So. Well, no, technically she's a bastard, but that child's a bastard, but not really, because legally they're married by the time the kid's born. Okay. Yeah. And he inherits. I mean, there are a lot of, like, five and six month babies in the Regency. Okay. In the Victorian England. So. so Oh, in Puritan times, too. In now times. No. <laughs> no, surely not. I can't imagine that. <laughs> now this is less controversial. Gorilla attack, of course. Gorilla attack. That trope. God, that I old want that trope. Goodreads list so badly just to see what people put on it. We'll start it. Aaron, what are your tropes? Well, does Sarah have tropes? Oh, Sarah, do you I, have th- I feel like I just did them all. I, okay. did, I skipped the. I didn't realize. I don't have an agenda. That's I okay. did not send you an agenda. <laughs> so, um, I did. I prepared, but then I said them all. Because yeah, I said perfect. twins yeah. and secret identity. And, That's fine. We're you know, loosey-goosey with it. Dirty, t- historical dirty talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't know if you had happened to write them. We did. That's fine. That's fair because I should have sent you a list. Anyway, whispering in the wrong ear. Which is a trope. <laughs> Wait. Lorraine Heath. That's, it's a Lorraine Heath trope. That's her trope. <laughs> uh, when we put up this was a book we were reading that was somebody's first comment. It was like, this one also has a deaf ear. Uh, mistake- I love our fans so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're great. Uh, mistaken identity. Uh, heroin bathes hero. Bath time. Bath time. Yeah, <laughs> putting off telling a big secret because he keeps putting it off and finding love a second time. Yeah. Brother love. I've loved you forever. Yeah. Those are all of our tropes. That's all our tropes. Because did we do it? It's we did hard do to it. believe. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like we only just begun. I took up so much of your time. No, this is great. We loved this every moment awesome. of it. I would like to come back sometime. Come Any back time. Yeah. We'd like to have you back at, uh, to interview as well. Just like a free form interview. Not being held down by a book. Yeah. Just really get into by, the like, head. By like gorilla death. Clayton. What is you swooning this week? Well, what has me swooning is uh, there. So I'm not a big fan of watching videos online. I I rarely do that. Uh, But there is a few subscriptions I have on YouTube. And one of them is a guy who interviews musical artists from Canada. He's been doing it for 30 years. His name is Nardwar. And the great thing about Is Nardwar. Is given wit name? No, he gave himself that name. His full. Yeah. His, he gave full, it to himself. Yeah, the full name he gave himself was Nardwar the Human Serviette, which means the human napkin. And he wears a Scottish <laughs> Is he hat. I Canadian? speak Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> he, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think Aaron did, that's why. But. Oh my gosh. Uh, he wears like the Scottish hat. He thoroughly researches all these artists so much that they always get so surprised about the things that he knows about them. And he always gives them presents like records that they liked back in the day. But you'll see so many times they'll freak out and say, how did you know this? How did you know this? But his interview style is so fun. And he, and he has this series of interviews with Snoop Dogg that he's done. And they're some of the funniest (laughs) things because he's this dorky punk rock guy from Canada and Snoop loves him. And if I would say, if you're going to watch any of his videos, start with those. I just like, 
I love watching them. They make me so happy. I'm very much into music, and his knowledge of music is is insane. He's got every record ever. Uh, but I would say, if you like music, if you like thoroughly researched interviews, I would say check out Nardwar, the Human Serviette, on YouTube. And we'll have a link in the show notes. So, I just, I watched a bunch of them yesterday, and I was like, you know what? I gotta give a shout out to Nardwar. Cool. Yeah. Snoop Dogg interviews are my favorite. You should watch, it's, it, it's really funny. Aaron, what has you swooning this week? Um, so my swoon is a series on Netflix called Ugly Delicious Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. Um, so apparently there is just a series called Ugly Delicious that I didn't watch, but I watched this one. And what it, it's a short series. There's only four episodes and it is, um, David Chang who did Momofuku. He goes to different places and basically eats with like a different celebrity. What I loved about it was he went to Vancouver with Seth Rogen, who is from Vancouver. And I don't know why people showing off their hometowns like makes me the happiest. And I just loved it. And you can tell that Seth really loves where he's from and finds it really special. And he takes him around to all these different places that he used to eat and told little stories. And the way that they just sort of interacted with the, with Vancouver was really amazing and really sweet. So he does uh, that with Seth Rogen. He does L.A. with Lena Waithe, which is amazing because she lives in Echo Park, which is like a smaller neighborhood. Um, and they sort of go to more like smaller neighborhood type places. I love travel shows. Um, so I would definitely say watch that. Have you watched it, Sarah? I've seen the original Ugly Delicious, mm-hmm. which is great because they go every episode. He does a different kind of street food. And so oh. he does the history of like pizza and like ramen and like like so he when he does the Chinese food episode, which is fascinating. He's basically like Americans don't know anything about Chinese food like you eat food from San Francisco that is, like, made for Americans. But, like, let's talk about actual authentic Chinese street food. But it's all American street food. So, like, things you find in America. But he, like, goes to Mexico and eats tacos. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to, like, the like the famous LA taco trucks with the food critic from the LA times. And like, they talk about it. All right. I'll definitely go back and watch those. Oh yeah. He does Morocco with Chrissy Teigen, which is really fun. Oh fun. Yeah. And then Cambodia with, um, Kate McKinnon. Oh, well, she's from from Cambodia. Well, not that she's from Cambodia, (laughs) but she, let me show you my hometown. (laughs) No, that's just sort of like, so two are hometowns and two are just like, okay. Um, P.S. I just read that Angelina Jolie lives in Cambodia now full time. Sounds oh. right. <laughs> Her son is from Cambodia. That's real weird though. Like she's just like she picked she picked Cambodia. Now she lives there with her hassle of children. Yeah. yeah. She's one of those people who like I would have on to a podcast only to be like, "She's What's your deal?" <laughs> what's Angelina? Your deal? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a swim? I do, but it's like yeah. an it's like a I feel like it's kind of a boring one because I came so late to the party, but I just binged Fleabag. <gasps> Ugh. And I don't understand how she is so brilliant. Like it is so brilliant. Everything about that show just blew my mind. I did not expect to be so like warmed by it and so like emotional about it and there was this we watched this episode and like 
in late in season two and at the end like Eric turned off the television and I just like burst into tears oh. and he was like what is happening right now <laughs> and I was like I feel so emotional about the sisters <laughs> like there's so much like everybody said oh you have to watch it because of the priest uh, and then I was like, okay, I'll watch it because of the priest. And then I was just blown away. Olivia Coleman is amazing. Yes. I mean, all of them. The sister is so, her sister, every actress in the, every, I mean, actor and actress in this show is so, so good. But that sister is so, she plays this like remarkably uptight character to the point, And it's so believable that I was like, this woman just must be impossible in real life like she's so uptight in in like this perfect way yeah and then the whole fourth wall like conceit which nobody had talked to me about like I feel like when people recommended this to me as and it's the romance novel thing right it's you have to watch it because if like priest is your favorite and like you have to watch this show because there's a hot priest and there's a romance and if that was so secondary to like Fleabag's evolution and I remember at the Emmys, I was so mad that Catherine O'Hara had been nominated and for Schitt's Creek and she or the Golden Globes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And 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 Phoebe Waller Bridge, Bridge yeah. had I think it was the won. Emmys. Was it the Emmys? Yeah, I believe so. And I was like, ah, Catherine O'Hara deserved that. Like, because I think I, I think Moira funny. Rose is like. Catherine O'Hara is great. Characters ever in the history of television, but like watching Fleabag, I just, I've never felt so, everybody was right to recommend it to me. And I love how short it was and how perfect it was. And I always love like, I love British television so much because they never try to do more than what they should do. Like I was reading this article about The Office and how in, in England, The Office ran for two seasons and then it was over. And when... Um, and Ricky Gervais's character in the British office is like just awful, like not a single redeeming characteristic. He's just miserable and terrible. And when they brought it over to the United States, they were like, Michael Scott um, has to be, that character has to have redeeming quality in some way because it could go on for 15 years and you can't sustain the storyline for that long. But like the British office tells a very different, like acerbic, like, satirical story yeah. than the American office. Like it does more, arguably it does more like intellectual work than the American office does because it's, because it's British. It can be sort of tightly scripted like that. And Ricky Gervais also said, he did say he's like in England, you can have your job forever and not be good at it. <laughs> but in America, yes, we read the yeah. or saw the same thing. I yeah. can't remember where I read that. I th- did you listen to the Office yes. Ladies podcast? Yeah, it was That's the Office Ladies podcast. <laughs> which they're going to be minting money, these ladies, and good for them. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Like, I was also a West Wing Weekly fan, so like, I prefer that. Like, I feel like there was more. There's more meat to West Wing Weekly, but the Office Ladies have more time. Like, it's early days. Yeah, and they said that. You got to make him actually decent at what he does. Michael Scott has to be decent at his job yeah. because then you see why people put up with him and why he can stay. Because in England, that's not the case. At least that's what Ricky Gervais said. So. Well, Ricky but, Gervais, take everything yeah, with a grain of salt there. But. Yeah. Does he believe in God? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think Fleabag, I think that's a great swoon. Me and producer Patty saw 
her live and oh, she was amazing. amazing. Soho Playhouse. Well, I do think that's something about with Fleabag is she was doing it in Edinburgh for like yeah, a for long Fringe. time. Yeah, as like a one woman so- show. So she so knew the material and the story she wanted to tell in a way that I think like it would be hard for someone else to do. Yeah. And she made that first season and it was perfect. And she kept telling people she wasn't going back until she had the idea for the second season. And then she was like, all right, actually, yeah, I am going to come back. And then blew everything away and out of the water. And you can also watch that second season focusing on different aspects and get an entire new story, an entire new thing of what she's saying. And also that first episode when they're all just in the restaurant the whole time is perfect. It's so good. So also, she was she did two one woman shows at the same time and is now working on a third one woman show. And I like can't. I hate when people are geniuses. She's <laughs> yes. I love it so much. My phone background is right now is her at the Chateau Marmont after the Emmys with all of her Emmys just smoking. I know. With a martini. And there it yeah. is. Just that's like fun. life goals, someone earned. She earned that in yeah. such a great way. Uh, no, that's an excellent swim. But I still love Catherine O'Hara. Yes, yeah, she's well, it's great. It's hard to yeah put people against each other because like Moira Rose against Fleabag, it's like apples and oranges. It really is. Well, so Sarah, thank you so much thank for coming. You guys. This was amazing. I had a great time. I hope everyone and liked our eight-hour episode. I'm sorry, the episode was so long. No, this is great. And if you have me back, I'll do better next time. No, we no, will have you back. longer, <laughs> less structure. <laughs> um, we should do a crossover episode, Thomas. I would love to. that'd be awesome. Can we can have Jen call Jen in. Jen call in. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. I mean, that really would be a beast of an episode. <laughs> hey, we content. But sometime when we're like all in the same place at something, we should do like a live crossover. That would be so fun. We did that with the Wicked Wallflowers once and it was really fun. Yeah. Live shows are fun. I think That would be our first live show. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Um, So is there anything that you would like to plug (laughs) while you're here? I mean, your podcast, obviously. I write books. (laughs) What? So if you haven't read a Sarah McLean novel, maybe you want to try. Absolutely, you want to. I haven't written a gorilla mauling. And that's where Next we book. have a problem. Yes. With <laughs> yeah, we came here to talk I mean, to you about that. Get on that list, that gorilla mauling list. Um, but yeah, I'm writing a series right now called The Bare Knuckle Bastards, which is um, set in Covent Garden. It's a London crime ring. Uh, three siblings who have escaped a terrible father um, and the fourth of their gang who has become a duke in the meantime. Um, but the first... The first two books are about uh, two brothers who um, run a smuggling ring in the 1830s in London, and it's set sort of in the dark in, like, ice trading and fight clubs and on the docks. So it's basically like if you like Harlots or Taboo or Peaky Blinders, you'll probably like this. Ripper Street, there's – and, like, you want them to just mash their faces together more. Yeah. Then you can you should I wrote you a series. The first book is called Wicked and the Wallflower. And um what else? Yeah, I have a podcast called Faded Mates, which maybe you will put in show notes a link Absolutely. to. Uh we talk every other week. Um uh, no, every week. <laughs> we have an episode every week, but every other week we do a deep dive read and on the off weeks we uh tackle a trope. So if you like talking about tropes with Clayton and Aaron, 
Maybe like talking about tropes with us. Have you done a gorilla episode yet? No, but there's there's only the one. <laughs> that we know about. <laughs> and then your next book. And my next book, yes. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah. Oh, and I have um, merch. I have new new merch. I'm partnered with um, uh, Jordan Dene, who is a fandom uh designer. Um, She designs like t-shirts and gear and slogans for um, lots of different worlds, fan worlds. Um, She started with Harry Potter and now she's like, she wanted to get into romance. So we're working together and you can get a read romance fight patriarchy shirt, which um, let's all just do more of that in the coming year. Uh, And you can find, uh, you can find her at, at Jordan Dene, D-E-N-E. Um, on Instagram and links there. So and we'll also have that in show notes. Yeah, as well. show notes. Yeah. We'll link to the shop. Yes. You gave Clayton a piece of merch. He loves you forever now. Oh, of that's course. the way to his heart is merch. <laughs> I'm wearing merch right now. <laughs> but I'm very excited about Clayton like walking around New York City with a read romance fight patriarchy bag. Yeah, if you see him. He still wants to be on uh Hawkeye's reading. So yeah. if you do oh, see him in- that would get you on Hot Guy's reading. I yeah. Need, yeah. So first, take a picture of him. Can't you just um, just stage that? No, he wants it to be. Clayton likes lies. (laughs) We've established Clayton's pro lie. No, that needs to be legitimate because that is a legitimate honor, and I I want to earn that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I love your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, Aaron, where can they find us? So please rate, review, subscribe. You guys do amazing at that. So. Thank you so much. It's how people find us. And while you're there, also rate, review, subscribe, Fade and Mates. Why not? You're already halfway there. Uh, you can email us, learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to suggest books, if you just want to tell us how we're doing, just say hi. Uh, we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group, which is the Learning the Tropes Troop. We always release all of our books early there. Um, so if you want to know what we're reading, they already know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. All right, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.